Got everything? Um, yes. So, how many of you guys have been able to make all four sessions? There's probably not anybody. Well, there's a couple. All right. Good, good, good. All right. Um, we've been trying to build on some things here and, and just reminding everybody the heart behind these sessions is, is we're trying to understand what kingdom culture is because that's what we want to build. I don't want to build my culture. I don't want to stick with the culture that we've always had. Just be honest with you. That Honestly, like I'll just throw this out there. Side note, um, a lot of people get it wrong when they think about what the problem was with the Pharisees. We, have you ever heard anybody say, whatever you do, don't be religious? Well, actually being religious is not a problem. Religious is actually a good thing. If you look up the definition of being religious, it's actually being faithful and committed to something. But it's just maybe being faithful and committed to the wrong thing. That was the problem with the Pharisees. They were actually more committed to man's traditions than they were to God's traditions and God's direction. That, it, it wasn't a problem that they were religious. is that they were committed to man's traditions over God's traditions. So if we have a culture that we've had for hundreds of years, I would tell you this. Like, culture is king in our society. Like, we actually believe that culture is king. It's actually not king. Only the king's culture is king. Because if we have done something that's been a part of our culture, whether that be uh, a part of our race or a part of our family traditions or a part of whatever, and, and it's not something that is uh, affirmed by the word of God in that culture, let's say you've been doing something for that culture has been doing something for 400 years a certain way. Like, for example, this, this uh, session that we're talking about physical expression and worship, a lot of people are like, well, you know, we're Swedes and Norwegians up here in Minnesota. I'm like, well, that's great, but the Bible calls us to lift up holy hands. It calls us to dance. It calls us to, you know, and so just because it was a, not a part of our personality or a part of, come on in, guys, part of our culture, if our culture has been doing something that's not affirmed by the word, for 400 years, then our culture has been wrong for 400 years. I, I'm not, I'm just, I know that's pretty intense to say that, but I refuse to hold on to, I was raised, I had, who, who hasn't had to unlearn something in their life, right? You learn something a certain way, your family did it, or, uh, or the way that your church did it growing up, and you got to a point and you went, what have we been doing, you know? And so, like, I'm sorry, Lord, we missed it, but we're, we're not going to stay there. We're going to move. We're going to change. We're going to shift wherever you want us to go. So that's my heart behind this book, that's the heart behind these sessions, is we want to discover what God wants to do with His church. We actually believe that He knows better than we do. Anybody, amen with that, right? Like, He knows better than we do. And, and where we don't know, that's okay. Like, it's okay to say, hey, God, I don't know. But then I would add to that, God, will you teach me? You know, because I want to teach other people. I want to help other people. So if I'm missing something, correct me, Lord. And that's not always fun, you know. I mean, who's been corrected by the Lord before? I have been, you know. Like, God's like, nope, don't do it that way. I'm sorry, Lord. Okay, I will shift. I will change. I know we're getting people coming in from lunch. Come on in. It's fine. Um, so, but I do, I want to be, I want to stick with my, my word. What I said, because we didn't get to a lot of the Q&A times, is I actually want to start with Q&A in this session. We do want to get to some things, and I'm definitely going to get to Todd so he can share some things about the physical expressions in worship. And if we get to a lot of it, great. If we get to some of it, great. I do talk about it a ton in the book. So if we don't get to that a ton, I was telling my son uh, back in the back there, that's Roman, my son, what's up, Roman? He just finished yesterday his freshman year at North Central University. Let's go. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> um, but, you know, uh, it, I think these Q&A times are so important, and that's why uh, it's, it's killing me to not do them. 
and we haven't done it so far because sometimes the questions that or the questions that we're answering are not even the questions you're asking. So I'm going to stop talking and I want to give us a chance right here, right now, whether you were in a session from yesterday or this morning, or we can even ask some questions about physical expression in worship right now before we get into that. Like, what are some of the issues that you're dealing with when it comes to physical expression? Did you have a question? Yeah, Let's yeah. go. So mine actually fits with both the last two sessions. Okay. It has to do with both spontaneous worship and also leadership. So I'm, I'm part of the adult worship team, obviously, and, but I also mm-hmm. help work and coach our youth and okay. more um, directly uh, vocal rehearsal and vocal leadership. And, and we do have um, adult leaders mixed in with youth leaders to help just kind of teach and, you know, go alongside and stuff. So question is, is, you know, we want to have, like you said, the opportunity to make space to have spontaneous worship. Mm -hmm. So what happens, I've had struggles um, on the team with maybe somebody who's a little off the rails. Sure. That's always being expressive and being spontaneous to the point where it becomes a distraction. Sure. Um, And I, I, you know, I've tried different ways to try to coach and guide. Um, I brought out a devotional about Face down by Redmond, where they talk about yeah. um, having periods of time where you have complete silence. Yep. So it's everybody's quiet, and you have time to just be quiet and listen, listen to the spirit move. Yes. And she did. I mean, I did it specifically for one person. Right. Sure. She didn't get it. So no one's ever ever done that so before, right? Who <laughs> <laughs> are with you? Really hard as a leader when it's a student, especially mm-hmm. when you're wanting them to be bold and you're wanting them to be confident and grow in yep. their ability to lead worship, but finding that fine line between humility yep. and the, the um, leading of the spirit yep. and not necessarily just being, putting on a big show yeah. where everybody's watching you and you're somewhat distracting away from Quick clarification you. in the question, is this person one of the persons who has the microphone in their hand? They're actually leading the song. Yes. Okay. Wasn't sure if it was somebody and on or off. Or... They're kind of taken over, they're maybe taking in over, some ways. They'll, they'll, and, sure. They'll lead into the next, um, the next verse before the leader is leading. So right. Sure. 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 Like, I don't know how yep. to reel yep. this person in, and <clears throat> that is yep. edifying and helping yep. her. Um, okay. Without squashing her and yep. you know defeating her. Spirit. For the sake of the recording that we're doing, uh, basically the question is: How do we find that balance for? Uh, moving in spontaneous worship where we're open to those things, but then if there's someone who's kind of taking it too far or taking over or maybe instead of, you know, some spontaneous moments, they just want to have it all spontaneous moments or whatever. How do we reel them in? How do we help them? How do we lead them, guide them? It's interesting because to me, that's what 1 Corinthians 14 is all about (laughs) because Paul was actually uh, kind of trying to reel in the Corinthians, you know, because... It's funny how we read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, uh, where it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the move of the Spirit. Sometimes we see it from a negative lens because Paul is actually coming in and saying, hey, you guys need to, like, if someone doesn't have an interpretation for the song, the tongues, you need to go home and, and, and don't do that in church. And some people are like, oh, he's saying don't do it in church. We're like, no, 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 no. We're just saying don't do it if there's not an interpretation for that moment. But yes, speak in tongues, you know. So, uh you know, and then some. You know, somebody be like, "Well, gosh, apparently the Corinthians were were they might have had like twenty prophecies in a service and maybe twenty messages in tongues." And Paul's like, "Hey, can we just bring it down to like two or three in tongues and two or three with prophecy?" Right. So he wasn't saying don't do it. So I love it because you're saying, "Hey, 
Because there, there are times, and this is the thing, as leaders, we have to, to manage, and I, I love that you're, you're not doing this, but a lot of times whenever there's a problem with one of these areas, we just shut it down. You know, that's the temptation we, we have in the church. We know that when something, God has something for us that's good, like spontaneous worship moments or messages in tongues or moves of the Spirit, someone is going to come along, maybe just motivated by flesh, maybe the enemies at work, who knows, and they're going to mess it up. And then what we do so well in the church is we just shut it down and throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? And we're like, well, tongues is all bad because somebody did it or spontaneous. So I'm so glad that you're not doing that. Um, how to fix those situations, man, it's obviously kind of one at a time. You kind of have to deal with each in situation individually. Sounds like you're working on it. You're saying, hey, I've got a devotional. Kind of applies to everybody. Um, you know, at some point you probably have to sit down and actually have the conversation. And when, when I have conversations where you're basically doing conflict resolution potentially or something that you see in somebody, uh, I, I usually try to get them talking first. That's one thing that I would encourage you guys. We didn't really talk about that a whole lot, but whenever you have an agenda like, hey, I've got I've to set this person right or I've got to get this person, you know, I usually come to them and say, hey, how do, how do you feel things are going? Just want to check in with you, you know, get them talking about things and ask them questions. Well, how do you, how do you like the culture that we have in worship? How, you know, how have you been feeling about leading worship? Have you had any struggles? Have you try to see if they, if they can help pinpoint some of these things, right? And uh, then you can, then, once you've given them a chance to talk, then you actually maybe have a moment there where you say, well, here's some things I've observed. And of course, you want to bring some encouragement. Man, you've been doing so good with this thing. It's been so encouraging. I love the way you do this. I love the way you do this. And then it's still coming to them and say, hey, I, I want to challenge you in this one area. You know? and, and, and I'm going to ask you a question. How do you feel about this? You know, I feel like sometimes some of the other leaders might feel like you're stepping on their toes and and that type of thing. I mean, it's, it's very challenging and it's something we each have to, you know, I would say it again, right? Those three words, by the Spirit, because you have to be led by the Spirit as to how to approach each individual person. I loved what Heather was saying about the, I think, I don't know if I can remember them all, but, but the, the three different ways that your three encouragements yeah. or whatever was like coaching, coaching, encouraging, and like the, the it was one? three types of feedback is what it was, right? Yeah, three so, types of feedback. Uh, but de determining what that person needs, yeah. you know, if we bring correction when they need encouragement or, you know, those types of things. It doesn't mean we can't bring correction, of course, but uh, I don't know that I have like the pat answer for that. But I do want to encourage you that, that you should step into that uh, and try to help redirect, um, especially when someone's leading out on top of someone else. You know, we actually had a situation a few years ago at North Central um, where we had uh, what we have three teams, our worship teams, and we had one uh, young lady who was a lead, team lead for one, and then each, te each team had a team lead. Well, this particular team was not leading, and the team lead was down front, and the other team was on the platform, and the person on the, on the floor began directing the band. She's done that too. Okay. <laughs> Because they're the only ones that hear from God. And so we had had that conversation. And it was it's really, really difficult. But yeah, to try to help, help a person understand that, that actually God wants to speak through everybody, not just you. And sometimes that God will give you something and it's not mean that you actually need to do it right then. He actually might just show you something that, so that he's going to show someone else and they'll do it and it just confirms what you 
heard from him too, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, all right, what else? What else? Yep, yes, ma'am. Um, I, I am not on the worship team. Okay. I am just a worshiper. Love it. In our church, and I do like, uh, my comfort zone is in the front row, you know, to the right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so I, I love space. I love to worship. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that's when me and God connect. Um, but so my question is, when, when am I a distraction? Yeah, oh boy. when am I free to worship? And where's yeah. the balance? Oh, that's so good. I mean, I, I do a whole other session on this, and I kind of get a little... <laughs> I kind of get a little like in your face with this one. It's kind of one of my favorite ones to preach. And it might surprise you, the angle that I take. Uh, I, I do like to go to the stories that Jesus highlights. And I feel like a lot of times we use that word distracting. It actually makes me kind of angry because people use that word. And I, I just want to say, okay, like Jesus kept highlighting all the people that were supposedly distracting everybody in the sense of like the woman who broke open the perfume or, or uh, you know, the, the, uh, the woman with the issue of blood. Cutting, she shouldn't have been in that place, you know, and the guy coming down from the roof, you know, like that's a little distracting to the meeting, you know, guys tearing off the tiles coming through the roof, you know. And I mean, I just want to say some, sometimes to people, now we understand there's a balance here, right? But sometimes I just want to say, well, if you'd stop looking at the person and start looking at Jesus, they wouldn't be so distracted. You know what I'm saying? Like if every, okay, you, I mean, so like I just want to, mm, you know, because because if everybody would just worship the Lord, you know, and that's part of what this, you know, this session, this physical worship expression, all that stuff, like if we weren't raised that way, we got to understand, well, uh, it's not just that God, well, that's how they do it. You know, well, that's fine. Oh, fine. Okay, Jeff, you know, they, they're expressive. You know, I don't have to be. I'm like, man, I feel like that. there's nothing in the Bible that is meant for our comfort so much, right? I mean, when it comes to physical expression, if we weren't raised that way, I wasn't raised that way. I said that earlier. If someone raised our, a hand in, in our church service, I thought they had a question. You know, there was no none of that stuff. <laughs> None of that stuff. You're supposed to be quiet, reverent, silent. You know, that's how we worship. It's just crazy. But then I read the Bible and I realized that there's shouting and dancing and it's not based on personality. In fact, I've never, ever read a scripture in the Bible that said, and everyone who was raised that way shouted unto the Lord. It never says that. It just says, and the, all the people, I actually did a uh, a part of the addendum. I did a whole thing on all the people, all the people, all the times that it says, and all the people fell on their faces, and all the people lifted their voices, and all the people lifted their hands. You know, there's never a verse that says, well, all, all the people who felt like lifting their hands lifted their hands. No, because we don't worship by feelings, do we? We worship by faith. So, yes, there could be a situation where if everybody's on their face, quiet, kneeling before the Lord, and there's a reverence over the room, and somebody starts going, Woo, praise the Lord! Yeah, you're awesome, Lord! I mean, you know, I can see, you know, there's probably an issue there, right? And there are places where we need to say, hey, you know, you're trying to do this for you as opposed to what is God doing in the room? You know, now it might be you feel like I think the room is dead and I wish somebody would lie with these people up, you know. So, I mean, at some point you might have to consider changing churches. Did I say that? I didn't say that. (laughs) So we understand there's a balance. Yes, ma'am. So I am on the worship team. Yes. um, I love your hair. Thank you. 
And a lot of times I feel like I'm being picked on because I do have a very high energy. Sure. I, yeah. I, I love music. It's, I've always been musically inclined, yep. but when it comes to gospel music, yep. it's what I do. And I yep. have to explain to people a lot of times, it's not my coffee. Mm-hmm. I come in here and I'm not, not, not my coffee. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. It's hard to really express yourself and, um, and allow the Holy Spirit to move yep. when you, you can't force your other worship team yep, yep. to have You have this energy. burden on and you. I, and I, just, I, I try to explain to them, like, it's not just the music. This is the energy that I get yep. when I sing this yep. And well, of course, Second Samuel... Yep. That's right. Yep. Yep. Because we know what he's done for us, right? I mean, we talk about, uh, Todd, we talk about revelation and response. And I write in the, I think actually it's in, in this book, but. It's actually in the end of this both? chapter. In the in, end of this okay, chapter. Okay. So, uh, man, you're reading my thoughts. I hadn't even said it yet. You know what it is. So, but, but small, small revelation of who God is equals small response, small worship, you see? Because Jesus even said about the woman who had been forgiven much, loves much. But she, what, he wasn't saying that the Pharisee hadn't been forgiven much. He was just saying she recognized it. He didn't recognize it, so therefore he didn't respond much. He thought, oh, well, she really needs to be saved. But not me so much, you know. But when we get a revelation of what we are saved from, we can't shut up, right? Right? I mean, Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, so David said to Michal, his, his wife, he said, I'll be even more undignified than this, right? Now, at the same time, right, I have a friend uh, who is at a large church, and he and I were talking, and it's a little bit more conservative church or whatever. And he was like, man, I'd love to bring you in. He's like, but Jeff, you got to understand, like, you know, if you came in and just taught the seven Hebrew words for praise on a Sunday morning, like that, that wouldn't go well. I'm like, dude, you don't think I'm stupid, do you? Like, I'm not just going to blast into your church and, and go straight to halal, which is the clamorously foolish dancing and waving your arms. No, I'm going to assess the culture and I'm going to understand where they're at. And then I'm going to start pushing and inviting and going to the Bible. So there are times, and I would say this, there are times that I'm in a church, like if I go to my mother-in-law's church, it's a, it's a little, like a pretty conservative place. And you're not going to see me bouncing off the walls where I might actually be bouncing off the walls if that's the culture, because I will not, you know, it's hard because you say, oh, well, isn't that like selling out? Aren't you like, no, it's because I love people and I'm trying to, I, yeah, I'm taking my time, you know, I don't have to fix everything with one service. I don't have to, you know, I just want to go a little bit. So, so there are times when we do have to be able to understand because people are distract, distracted, they shouldn't be distracted. Okay, I've said that already. Like if they would just focus on Jesus, they wouldn't be distracted. But because I do love people and I do want to try to bring them with me as opposed to just uh, 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 you know, so then I'm going to maybe pull it back a little bit just because I, I don't want to push them away. Does that make sense? So I think there's a time for both things. 
Uh, we understand where everybody needs to be. Uh, we all, I mean, it really goes into the, the way that Paul dealt with eating meat that's sacrificed to idols, too. He's like, you know, we know it's not wrong because there's no such thing as an idol. <laughs> so it doesn't, it's not a big deal if this meat has been sacrificed. But if somebody actually thinks it is, then I won't eat meat the rest of my life. You know, he went that extreme. So there are times that we have to reel it in. All right, what else we got? What else we got? Yes, sir. So this may not be the question for this particular one, but I mean, Doesn't matter. <laughs> as it leads to this, what's the working relationship between the lead pastor and the worship pastor? And how can the lead pastor support the worship pastor in that? And vice versa, how can he or she lead into that? Yeah, are you talking about in regard to the physical expression of worship and like that relationship with the pastor? Yes? Or are we talking about just anything in general as a worship leader? Yes. Um, so you're, if I'm understanding right, uh, you're asking how can the senior pastor, the lead pastor, support the worship pastor in all areas of worship leading? Or yep. Well, I think it's a, it's a great question um, because part of you know, there's two different groups here, right? You have the worship leaders that are trying to come under and and submit and serve the overall vision of the church, right? But also, as I talk, and I, I think the Lord has been opening up more avenues for me to talk with lead pastors who are hungry, trying to figure out how can I support my worship teams, my worship uh, leaders. There's that part over here where they might be thinking, you know, uh, they're, they're doing too much. Or, but that, that piece of, you know, one of the greatest things, I'll just say this, one of the greatest things that a lead pastor can do I'm just going to give you something super practical, all right, um, would be to actually carve out time on the Sunday morning, and I know it's a busy time, uh, five minutes. Uh, usually there's a team meeting, a worship team meeting, and I've challenged a lot of pastors to do this that are open to it. If, if you as a lead pastor would just come into that meeting and, and, be, and they would give you three to five minutes or something, and you would just bring an encouragement to the team. Because there, there are, I mean, and not everyone's like this, right? But it does feel like there's two different worlds sometimes. And it does feel like sometimes lead pastors are like, hey, you guys do your thing. I'll do my thing. See you on the stage, you know, that type of thing. Now, I'm not going to say that's for everybody. That's not true for everybody. But sometimes it feels that way. Um, and if the, if the lead pastor was to come in and encourage, pray for, cast some vision for the, the worship team uh, on a Sunday morning and just say, hey man, I'm behind you. I'm excited. We want the Spirit of God to move. Here's a little bit about what I'm preaching. Maybe we already knew that because it's in PCO too, but, but just a little bit of his heart or her heart uh, for, for what is going to be happening that Sunday morning and then kind of like release. Like, I just want you guys to be free to do what the Spirit of God is, because that, that's important, right? Because we need to be released. We need to be supported. We want to feel like we're not just out here on our own, on a, a, a tether or something way out there, you know, but we want to feel like, okay, we support you. We've got your back. We want you to be free to lead the way the Holy Spirit is, is calling you to lead. Um, so I don't know if that helps. That's just like a little teeny piece. Okay. That help a little bit? Okay. All right. Just that, I mean, just that one little thing every Sunday. Can you imagine? Past, and maybe some churches, you're, you guys are experiencing that. But every, every Sunday, a pastor coming in and just meeting with the team, encouraging, giving them a word, uh, and, and releasing them to, to do what they're called to do. Man, it's awesome. Yes, sir. At Celebration, how big is your, how many people are there? 
many members do you have in, in, on the worship team? On the worship team, man. Um, yeah, as far we ha- we actually have a pretty small team, I would say, uh, maybe in relative to the size of the church or whatever. There's probably regularly around seven, eight hundred people at celebration on a Sunday morning uh, total, and then we. We probably have just your basic, I mean, like drums, bass, keys, guitar, and the guitarist is also one of our singers, and we probably have three other singers, try to have like four singers uh, out there. But we actually are kind of in between at at Celebration. Uh, We don't actually have a full-time worship pastor right now, and that means that there's not anybody doing a lot of the things that I'm talking about here (laughs) where we can build team and grow. I I would say... Like if I'm kind of a football person, so I love uh, and 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 like if in the NFL there's 53 guys on the team, and you got one of the keys of having a great football team is having great depth, meaning you have people behind the the best people, or you have a lot of great athletes, not just one team. And so I feel like sometimes we're in that spot, and you know it's a little bit of survival mode at, at the moment, but where we don't have what we need. But go ahead. Yep. A lot of members. How do you keep people? And and you do the scheduling. Yep. How do you keep the members of your team from feeling number one like they're just a session player? Yeah. Uh, or they're underutilized. They don't get called yes. on enough. Yes. And begin to feel resentful about yep. not being you know about so, being the team or it's a great question. Needed or whatever. Trying to balance, and I say I'll try to say it again just for the recording. Just uh, trying to balance. Um, keeping everybody scheduled, uh, involved, uh, feeling like they're um, appreciated and not underappreciated, you know, and you don't want to burn people out by using them too much, but also don't want to get people upset because you don't use them enough. You know, part of this obviously is training and teaching that has to go in and and relationship building, kind of what we were talking a little bit about in last session um, to me, this is where team nights come in big time because in rehearsals, it's hard to, I mean, you're establishing culture without even realizing it, but it's hard to shift culture in those moments. But team nights are nights where you can kind of go, okay, we're going to spend two hours together as a team focusing on team growth, team building, explaining the vision and the mission. You know, there might be some of you here who feel like you would love to sing more often. If that's you, make sure you reach out to me and talk to me, but also know that part of our heart, you know, there's some people that actually, they actually want to be on the platform every week. And that can actually be great, but I think it also hurt people because they find their identity on being on the platform. And so it's like, if I'm not on the platform, then I, like, like Marcus was saying last night, they don't even come to church. You know, they only come to church if they're on the team. Come on, somebody, right? You know, like, I mean, that's not a good culture. That's a really, really bad culture. Cause you, and we, we deal with this with musicians here in, in Minneapolis, actually more so than some of the other cities that I've been to, like gigging mentality. Like, oh, well, if I'm not on the schedule, then I'm somewhere else. I'm just, I'm just going where I'm paid, right? And there's less accountability. This kind of gets into a little bit of a question of to pay or not to pay. And I actually deal with that issue in the book a good bit. I, I give what I would say is a third option to what the typical option is. A lot of times we think it's either paying hired guns that are uninvolved in our church 
or it's not paying volunteers who maybe aren't quite as talented. And I think there's a third option potentially where we can actually, and this takes investment and takes time and you have to take this slowly, but where you can actually pay and invest in musicians because that's what the Levites were. They actually made their living. Their job was to uh, make music at the house of the Lord, right? But then you also, we don't expect less of them. We expect more of them. Like the problem with the pay to play thing is that we don't actually have any accountability for these people. I don't understand that, that idea. So there's all kinds of things, but building that culture, but communicating, that's really what I'm getting at is to communicate to these people. Hey, I want you to know that it's not that we, we're not putting you on the team every week and it's because we love you that we're not putting you on the team every week. It's not because we don't like you. It's not because you're not a good singer. It's because we want you to stay healthy. You know, so communicating some of those things will help people. Yeah. Out of sight, out of mind. Sure. Easier, you know, just to kind of keep scheduling some of the same people. For sure. Yeah. And the organization of that, I mean, you know, I actually deal with onboarding or auditioning too in the book. I didn't even get to get to that. I was going to talk about in the last session, like how do you onboard team members? And you can organize all these things and keeping all that, you know, it's, it's a lot. Who, somebody, you, you go to schedule somebody and you realize, oh, they left the church two months ago, okay? Um, you know, and just keeping all that stuff. <laughs> right, yeah. right, exactly, exactly, right? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> or, or the person that actually accepted and then, well, I didn't accept. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah sit in the back. In the event that you are paying your musicians, yeah. I, I have my opinion in this area, but <clears> the <throat> I'm asking is in the event that you're paying your musicians, yeah. Yeah, there's, here's the thing, though. Again, we don't want to throw the baby out. So just because it's hard doesn't mean that we can't pay some people and not pay others. Uh, it is possible to go in the middle ground because you can't say, well, it's either one or the other. It's like everybody gets paid or nobody gets paid. That's not life. Life is that it's always somewhere in the middle, right? So there is going to be a, re a time, and you have to talk through this with people, and you have to work through it with people. And I would say if, there, if there's nobody paid on your uh, to your team right now, and it's just the worship pastor, then it's starting with one. It's saying, hey, let's hire an MD, uh, the music director or whatever. Let's get somebody in here that can really help us build that culture with the band, right? And then it's, you know, and it's just taking steps in that direction. And people understand, hey, uh, you know, but, but then again, asking for accountability. So if you're paying someone, you're also asking them for more than just playing. And that's the thing. So there's somebody else who says, well, I would love to be paid, but I actually have a full-time job, and I don't have time to be accountable to do other things around the church, too. So it's, it, it's, there has, there ha I think there's a, a way that we can do this where it's not just like, well, because you're talented, I'm going to pay you. That's not the kind of culture we want to build. Yep. Sure. Yep. Yep. I mean, the bottom line is we're already paying some people and not paying other people. They're called pastors. And are they more gifted or more important than the people? I mean, you know, so that's already happening. The, 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 that issue is already taking place. It's not going to go away. Uh, let's not run from that. Let's dive in. Let's find ways to, because I think we could keep from losing so many great musicians. I mean, they're, you're never going to stop that. You know, they can go out and make more money in the world or whatever, but 
what if the church made an investment in musicians and singers and then it also held them accountable in their lives too? Um, what do you think? <laughs> Should we get to you? <laughs> did uh, we I already? think you need to lay a little foundation hey, before this we is, do that. Yeah, for sure. This is, I mean, this is so good. Uh, I love hearing you guys ask questions. I mean, it stirs up the real stuff. You know, we've kind of been all over the map, but certainly stuff that I'm dealing with in the book, not necessarily from this session. Uh, but let me, let me just lay a little groundwork for this session, uh, and then we'll uh, have Todd come and share, because I think he has some really great things to share uh, for sure. So let's see here. It's 1.56. The session is supposed to be over at 2.15, right? Yeah. Well, we can go. To, I know we'll go past, but... Sure. And if you have to leave early, it's okay. Medium. It's okay. All right. Um, hmm. So the lie for this, I, I've, I've kind of thrown out a lie for in every, every one of the chapters of the book. There's a, a, a lie at the beginning of the chapter, the things that we've bought into. And this one is, I wasn't raised in a church where people express themselves physically in worship, so there's no reason to change that now. Um, I'm just going to blast through some of this stuff, and then you can go back and look at it in the book as well. But in Romans 12.1, I actually originally wrote this uh, session, and the chapter in the book is called God Wants Your Body, which I think it's one of my favorite titles ever because <laughs> it freaks people out. <laughs> I love to freak people out sometimes, but, but I got it straight from the, book, the Bible, right? It says right here, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. That's what it says. So God wants your body, right? Now, not in the same way that you may be thinking, but, but he wants your body, right? I mean, we understand this. Uh, the Bible tells us, you know, a couple of highlights of this. Your body is not your own. It's number one here. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't own them, right? These bodies are not ours. So guess what? If they're not ours, that means we don't get to choose what we do with them. We need to obey. We need to let them do what God has designed them to do. So this is some of the teaching that we have to learn, and then we got to pass it on to our, our teams, and we got to pass it on to our congregation as well, because this applies to everybody, not just the worship people, right? Our bodies were made for the Lord, 1 Corinthians 6.13. The Bible literally says our bodies were made, weren't made for sexual immorality, is what it says, but they were made for the Lord. And then guess what? We will be held responsible for what we do in our bodies. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all stand before, God, before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. Amen. Ah, yeah. Number two, God created us for whole self-worship. This is your scripture right here, Mark 12.30. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Come on. It, it, <laughs> come on. It makes sense, guys, that God calls us to worship with our whole person. Okay? Some people come to me and they're like, Jeff, you're so energetic when you worship. Now, some of you guys haven't seen me lead worship, whatever. I love to jump and dance and whatever else. Get on my knees. Sometimes be still and know that he's God, too. Like, sometimes that's what it's, I need to be doing. But uh, some people come to me, you're so energetic, you know. It's like, oh, where do you get all that energy? It's, and they're kind of trying to distance themselves from me. And they'll say, you know, I just worship God in my heart. I'm like, wow, that is so good. You are a fourth of the way there, you know? Because it says heart, 
So, mind and strength. Strength is body, right? It could also be strength of heart, strength of soul, strength of mind, but strength of person, whole self. That's what we're talking about. It doesn't make sense. I mean, we could go into this whole thing about body language and communication. What is the most powerful form of communication? It's body language. Like they tell you that. They tell you that the TED Talks that are the most powerful and most watched are the ones where people are waving their hands around and using their bodies to communicate, right? And so who are we to think that we can get up on a Sunday morning and say, the Lord is great. He is good. And he is worthy to be praised. Amen. Like nobody hears anything that you just said, right? Nobody ha has, there's nothing to that. We, we, we don't believe what you're saying because you're not showing it with your life. Because we know that actions speak louder than words, right? Man, help us, Lord. So, and you know, and I, you can go into the whole, I, I actually talk about it a little bit in the book. What does it mean to worship God with your mind? You know, we haven't really talked about, we always talk about heart. You know, we want to be authentic. But what does it mean to be intellectual in the way that you think about the depths of God? Like, see, there's different cultures that actually kind of emphasize naturally one of these, right? So then you go, oh, well, they should just stay in that. No, there's some cultures that, that, that mental worship is a big part of that. And maybe that's where we start up here in the north. I don't know. But, and then there's other cultures that they specifically emphasize the strength side of things. But they also need to develop some of the other things, right? We all are called to worship God with whole self, heart, soul, mind, and body. Skip that, skip that. Mm -hmm. By the book, by the book. By the book, yeah. So, you know, one of the main things we were going to get to is the seven Hebrew words for praise. Because this is the biblical, I mean, there's Bible right there that I gave you. I already gave you some more. Uh, but the seven Hebrew words for praise, maybe you've never heard of these, these words, but <clears throat> I skipped about 14 slides right there. <laughs> Seriously, that's not an exaggeration. Um, but the seven Hebrew words for praise uh, are words that are, are hidden behind our word praise. Just like the words, if you were in here when I talked about this earlier, uh, the, the words for love, the like agape, storge, uh, philea, and the other one. Anyways, yeah, eros. Yes, the sexual one. I forgot about that one. <laughs> um, eros. So, but, but we get the raw end of the translation deal in the Bible because so many times when it says praise the Lord, it actually says one of these words. Like I mentioned that tequilah is the word for the spontaneous song. But do you know, and I'm just going to put that up on the screen. Do you know what verse? I mean, there's a bunch of verses in the Bible, but you're going to be, you're, you're going to die. So <laughs> tequilah is the spontaneous song of the Lord, right? So this is a biblical precedent for why we should sing spontaneously in our church services. Do you know what verse goes with this? Look at this. Check this out. Oh, that's the definition. Let's go to the next one. Here it is. God inhabits the tequilah of his people. But we didn't know that because it just says praises. God inhabits the spontaneous singing of your people. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't inhabit any other type of praise, but it doesn't say that. It says that he inhabits the spontaneous song of the Lord. And yet we are not inviting our congregations to sing that song in our church services, or in our time alone with Him? Tehillah. I mean, you could go through all of them. Zamar. This is the instrumental praise. 
And it's in the book. So, I mean, you know, I, I go through every single one of them. But Zamar is to praise with an instrument. If you imagine the change that happens in your bassist when they understand that they have a language that they're playing with their bass, they're actually shaking the foundations of bad religion and tradition with their bass guitar, that they actually are agreeing with the lyric. I remember when my, my drummer, Lou Santiago Jr., amazing drummer, traveled with me for about five years, recorded on that album right there, Unveil. Um, anyways, uh, if you got a record player. Um, but he, he, the first time we got on the phone, he said, Jeff, he said, man, when I crash my crash cymbals, I'm crashing down walls in people's lives. When I'm kicking my kick drum, I'm kicking the devil in the face. Now, that guy has a different idea of what it means. Some guys are just like keeping the backbeat. No, 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 no. This is, this is spiritual warfare. This is worship as warfare. So you understand these words, zamar means to worship with your instrument. You got to teach these to your teammates or your teams. So I, I shouldn't go through all of them because I'll just take another 25 minutes yeah. unless you want me to. Um, <laughs> no, I think they should just buy the book. Okay, because we do. I go through it all in there, right? So. Speaking, of which, um, <clears throat> speaking of which, I, ha I, I failed to talk about the book. So a few things here, and one of actually is a brand new piece of information. Um, so, the, so the books are $20 a piece, but if you buy 10 or more because of a team or congregation, then they're 15 a piece. But uh, all throughout our breakouts, Jeff is giving a complimentary copy to every primary worship arts director. So one per congregation. So um, yeah, so that's it. And someone came to me who's actually sitting in this room at the end of the last session and said, I want to scholarship five copies of a book to someone. So um, yeah, we probably have everyone in this room who wants to take advantage of that. So I don't know how we're going to manage, uh, manage that. But yeah, if, if you're just like, you're in a little congregation and there's no way you could even buy one, much less five. Uh, we have someone here who, uh, okay, sorry, someone just claimed it. All right. There you go, that's one. Thank you for there. simplifying that. Thank you for making that easy for me. So you hang out, you hang out afterwards and we'll make that happen. Um, super At the great same time, there. Oh, never mind. What do you want to do, oh. Phil? Our, our host pastor uh -oh. is in the room. What, what, I mean, I said, did I say Phil? Sorry, Neil. When you say this, you're matching it. You're matching it. Okay, first hand up. First right. hand up. Okay. Right. Bam. Bam. Okay, so two hands there. Thank you, Pastor Neil. And for, uh, for uh, being in our session and for hosting this great event. Mm. So I'm supposed to be up here giving you some practical application to some truths that you've just heard a little bit about um, and that uh, you're going to learn more about as you buy the book. Um, so I, I want to start with, um, I want to start with a piece. So first of all, I don't think any of us would argue what Jeff is teaching about whole self-worship because we all know from experiencing life that when our whole being is engaged in anything yes, yes. anything yeah. when our whole being is engaged in anything we are at our maximum engagement yes okay doesn't matter if you're enjoying your food doesn't matter if you're cheering mm -hmm. at a game mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're working your job when your whole being yes. is engaged that's when you are most engaged yes. that's why this is true so I'm going to give you just a few practical things of how I've applied certain things in my life and in my leadership and how I've experienced this in certain settings. Um, and then I'm going to try to take three minutes and just give you a, a, a super critical insight from David's life. 
Um, okay, first of all, the most common expression of praise that we are all comfortable and familiar with is singing. So I'm going to share with you something that's just food for thought for you. Okay? When we're singing, our body is our instrument. Yes. Okay? Which is why Scripture says over 120 times to sing praises. Because our body is our instrument when we sing. Now, I'm going to share a, a very difficult conversation with you that I do not have a one-fit-all answer. But it's something that's happened in our church culture over the last, I don't know, 15 years. And it has to do with a sound that's in contemporary Christian worship. And it is the sound of a male singer singing high and a female singer singing low. Over the last 15 years, has that become the sound? I don't know, 12 to 15 years, that has become the sound of Christian contemporary worship. Male singer singing high, female singer singing low. That sound has permeated many of our congregations. Here's what happens. When either of those two happens, when the male singer sings high, or the female singer sings low, the lead singer, where is everybody singing? What's that? But if they're going to sing comfortable, where are they singing? Harmony? (laughs) They're singing the melody where they can reach it. So if the guy is singing way up here, I am not kidding you, everyone else in the room is singing down here. And if the lady is singing down here, everyone in the room is singing down here. Now, if you are singing down here, if you're singing, our God is an awesome God, and you're singing, our God is an awesome God. So if your body is singing down here, let me ask you a question. Does that impact engagement? I think it does. I think it impacts your engagement. Are people engaged? Yes. Are people engaged? Yes. Are people worshiping? Yes. But because their body of their instrument is at a low energy point, does that impact the engagement of their whole being? Because your body, we're we're not, yes, we say heart, soul, mind, strength. Yes, we say that, but we're not four compartments. That's why Jeff says whole self, because we are a whole, we are a whole being. We are a whole being. And so I don't know the answer. I, it's not an issue for me because I just have a medium-range voice, which most people do. Okay? And so, and so it's easy for me. The answer is easy for me. I don't know what the overall answer is, but, I'm, not, but I, I'm telling you. You just listen in your congregation. If there's a, or if you're visiting, if you're just anywhere. If you're here and a guy singing, you listen to the congregation. Everyone is singing down here. Matter of fact, it's gotten to the point where even if there's a song that's a little higher that they could reach, they're still singing down here. We have been formed so much. So that's a challenging Culture. conversation. I don't want to open up for discussion because we don't have time. Um, that's just, that's food for thought because it's a reality. It is a reality and it impacts engagement. And why do we want people fully engaged in God with a service? Why? Because we want to teach them how to be fully engaged with God in life. Yep. We want them yep. to be fully engaged yes. with God in life. So it's our responsibility to help people how to be fully engaged in service so that we're showing them 
how to be fully engaged with God in life. That's yes. the whole purpose. So when it comes to the seven Hebrew words of praise, um, I started learning about these words before I experienced worshiping through a service of going through the seven Hebrew words of praise. That happened first for me at Pure Worship Institute, yeah. even though I was studying some of those words beforehand. This is a, so this is the last place that Brendan and I served full-time worship arts pastors, Smithtown Gospel Tabernacle on Long Island, New York. And this was not going through the seven Hebrew words of praise, um, but I just felt that night we were going to focus on Yadah. So Yadah mm. is one of the words that means lifted hands, okay? And it's interesting, I was learning these words in connection to worship and warfare. Because every word of praise has a worship expression and a warfare expression. Mm -hmm. So Yadah actually also, it, it, Yadah is the picture of like throwing a spear or slinging your sling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so Yadah, is it okay to lift your hands like this? Yes. But the picture of Yadah is this. Yeah. Like that's Yadah. Yep. Okay, that's Yadah. So this was a night where I just felt led to just do a little teaching, revelation. Come on. A little teaching, <laughs> revelation on Yadah. And let me tell you this. This is one of the huge practical points. When you do a little teaching, Come on. people are willing to respond. That's right. If it sounds like you're trying to get them to respond, mm -hmm. it ain't going to work. But if you give them a little revelation, yes. they're going to be more willing to respond. And look at that. I just said, okay, I gave him a little teaching. I said, all right, let's all do it. And I mean, every person in the room, platform or in the room, they were responding because they Amen. like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes, makes sense. sense. I get it. Yep. And, and, and here's the point. Why do we want to teach our people to be obedient in how the scripture tells us to praise? Because we want to teach them how to be obedient to God when they walk out those doors Amen. and they hear Amen. God say, do this. So All right, good. I'm used to obeying God, so okay, I'm going to obey you, God. Okay? That's it. That's no why, different in worship. That's why we teach them to obey what the Bible says in service so that when they walk out the door, they've learned how to obey God out Even there. if it's uncomfortable, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and matter of fact, the uncomfort Obedience part... Obedience is always yeah, uncomfortable. The, the, uh, yeah. So the discomfort part, we teach that in service so that they can learn how to respond yes. even if it's uncomfortable when they're out living their lives, yes. right? So, so in walking through the seven Hebrew words of praise, I've done that in multiple settings. I've done it in super, uh, super responsive settings. So I've, I've done this in, um, in uh, Africa uh, multiple times. And um, I'm just gonna show you just a quick video here. So this is, so, okay, so you, so the experience that I've talked about that at Pure Worship Institute, it's like you can take these words and teach them one at a time and have people express, or you can have a planned experience mm -hmm. where you're going to take them through all seven words, and it starts mellow and yeah. then builds and builds and builds to get to halal, okay? So I was <laughs> doing this conference in Tanzania, and this was at the end of it because we had already, so first, if I'm going to do that, I first do a brief teaching on all seven of them. I show them the revelation piece. This is why, this is where it says in scripture who God is and why we respond. So who are we responding to? And then this is the response to who we're responding to. It's right, every scripture that he shows you where these words are, you're gonna find the who, the why, and then you're gonna see the response. That's his pattern, which he talks about at the end of chapter nine. Revelation, response. God reveals, 
we respond. We teach that in service so people learn how to live that way. Yes. Look for God so and then respond. Yes. Listen to God so and then respond. That's God's relational pattern, revelation and response. Yeah. So this was at the end. This is just a few seconds. This was at the end with this group um, of doing halal. <laughs> now this was just this was just last month. Uh, Brenda's brother Jim Bradford. Some of you probably know that name. Pastor Central Assembly in Springfield. Um, and so we were, had the privilege of ministering there last month. So we did a whole Saturday morning with their worship department, and then I was able to speak in both Sunday morning services. Um, but this is Central Assembly. Okay, so a traditionally, uh, uh, not traditionally, a reputation of a conservative conservative mm. place okay that's a reputation and so we were just in this room you know sitting down around tables and this is the first time jeff had ever done this with only one and two instruments wow. and so i wasn't even taking i didn't even yeah. think we we're going to get to halal i'm just like there's no way we're going to do shouting and halal <laughs> with two instruments right it just ain't going to happen but yes. I, I did this brief teaching on all seven words and then we just we i just invite them to stand and the first one was just gentle moving uh, with just P Brenda was just on piano, and we were doing instrumental worship, but I was having them, we kind of get them moving because the yep. word we use is kind of like a minstrel feel yep. to that word, that Zamar word that he showed you. It also means to sing too, but like a, so anyway, yep. so it starts gentle, and then it builds and builds. Eventually, I picked up the guitar, um, and so the last two words are Shabak, which is shout, mm -hmm. and then Halal, which is the clamorously foolish David bringing in the ark word. And I never thought we were going to get there. And I couldn't believe it. It just, it just kept going and going and going and going. And these folks were shouting and then they were jumping. And, jumping and it was awesome. But it followed the teaching. It followed yes. the revelation. Here's the who, yep. the why, and the what. The who, the why, yes. and the what. I don't even know, want to know what time it is because i got to share this with you and then I'm done. Oh, that's we're only not bad. two minutes over right now. That's not, not bad. bad. Okay. Um, all right, so this pattern that Jeff has talked about, that he's alluded to, that I've talked about, the revelation response, this is what our, this is a, the, the key insight um, that our ministry of worship as life is based upon. God's relational pattern of revelation and response, which he calls worship. So God's always revealing, always revealing, <coughs> inviting us to respond, and when we respond, he responds. This is the reason our singing time has become called the worship time, because it's such a beautiful way to enter into God's relational pattern of revelation response. But it's only one way to enter yes. into God's relational pattern of revelation response. And this is why we do our services following this pattern, because we want to teach our people how to live our lives in this pattern. So when Pastor Neil is preaching... He is revealing who God is yes, and then is inviting response. Okay? What happens as musicians when we think musical worship, what do you think we think of first, revelation or response? Response. We think response first. But if we approach a leadership role in looking for response first, that's mm -hmm. doing God's pattern backwards. Yes. And a response-driven Worship will never hold up to temptation, That's trial, right. persecution, never. Only a revelation-based yes. worship is going to hold up to trials, temptation, and worship. So quick insight, and we're done. 
This is David bringing in the ark to Jerusalem. You find in 2 Samuel chapter 6, both accounts. Both accounts had the same response. Same response in both accounts. All the singers, all the instruments, David giving his halal. Same response. But the first time, it brought anger, fear, because of death. But the second time, it brought celebration, joy, and generosity. What was the difference? Why? Revelation is a difference, and to find that, we have to go to chapter 15 of 1 Chronicles. Because in 1 Chronicles 13, 14, 15, you see the first account in 1 Chronicles 13, and then in 1 Chronicles 14, you see two battles. David goes to battle twice with the Philistines. And both times it says, he inquired of the Lord. And both times, so the first time, God says, do it this way. And like, okay, we'll do it the way you've showed us to do it. And did they have victory? Yes. Mm -hmm. The second time, it says, David inquired of the Lord. Did God give him the same answer? Or the same strategy? No. No. Different strategy. Did David obey the revelation? Yes. Yes. Was there victory? Yes. 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 David's like, I'm learning something Mm -hmm. here. A light bulb has gone on. And in 1 Chronicles 15, you see the second account of him bringing in the ark. And he says to his leaders, we did not, what? Inquire Inquire of the Lord. Lord How to bring in the ark of the covenant. And when they went for the revelation of how God wants him to worship, how to bring in the ark representing... His presence, when they went that way, got the revelation first, and then brought their response. Isn't that crazy? The response was the same both times. But only when it followed revelation did it bring life. That's good. And we lead in that way, in that relational pattern, because that's how we want to teach our people how to live their lives. Because that's the only way God's kingdom grows. When our people are living their lives in God's relational pattern, that's how he grows his kingdom. And Pastor Neil, I would go to answer your question earlier. I would add one thing to that. The way we understand and encourage that teamwork is that both the lead pastor and the worship arts pastor are doing the same thing. They're flowing in the same relational pattern. Yes. There's no, dis, there's no, dis, yes, it's a different way of engaging in the pattern, but it is the same. There's no competition because it's the same relational pattern. Yeah. The worship leader points to God and encourages people to respond. Yes. The pastor points to God and encourages people, people to, respond. to respond. It's this, it's just a different way of doing it. And yes, sometimes it feels more special when it's done through song. And yes, sometimes it feels more special when it's done through the word. But it's the same relational pattern. Why? Because we want to constantly be showing our people, this is how you do relationship with God. This is how you do relationship with God. You look for him. You listen for him. And then you respond to him. 
And so, okay, we're way Good. over time. But that is, the, the, so this is, this is the synergy that Jeff and I have together because we are so on the same page with Let's this whole go, thing. Man. And these words of praise, these words of praise are powerful because it engages the whole being. And when you show first the who and the why and then ask the people to respond because of the who and the why, it's just so beautiful. And then you're showing them and teaching them, this is how you're going to live your life. You're going to look for God. You're going to listen to God, and then you're going to give him your entire being. Yes. Your entire being, including your body. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Let's hug, man. So